What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Guidance with Gab. Before we start, I just want to give a really quick shout out to Anchor, the app that I use to record all of these, to edit all of these, add that cool little music in the beginning. Maybe you think it's cool, maybe you don't. Regardless, Anchor has been so helpful in this new journey for me, and I highly recommend using it if you're trying to branch out and start something new. They show you a bunch of new cool editing tools. They have a bunch of pre-recorded music that you can add, and I totally recommend checking it out. Thanks. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Guidance with Gab. So on the first episode, the pilot, the one that I deleted, (laughs) that you probably can't find, I talked about how I really want to include yoga and yoga philosophy in my uh, podcast. So here we are, finally doing an episode that is more centered around yoga, yoga philosophy, and all of that. I think a lot of the episodes encompass yoga philosophy indirectly. But this one is a little bit more direct, a little more clear, and I really want to talk about the yamas and the nayamas, which, I mean, are so helpful in your everyday life and on the mat. They're just practices to kind of be the best version of yourself, the most authentic version of yourself. And again, it's just a practice. They're kind of just guidelines to help you out. Um, And I'm going to go over how they help you and how you could practice them in your personal life and how you can also bring their um, tools to the mat as well. So yeah, I think I'm going to start off with going over quickly the eight limbs of yoga, which is Ashtanga, um, because the yamas and the nayamas are included in that. So First off, we have yamas, which are just ethical guidelines, restraints, and our reaction to the external world. Um, These are more focused on outside when the nayamas are focused on the inside. So they have a lot of overlaps. They're really similar, but one is just more focused on the external while the nayamas are more focused on the internal. So the nayamas would kind of be Um, self-discipline, internal responses, our relationship with ourselves, personal observations, and things like that. And then the next limb would be asana, which is just yoga posture, your physical embodiment, mind and body. Um, Those are just poses, basically. So that's what most people think of when they think of yoga, especially in the Western world. Everyone is thinking of like yoga and they're seeing someone in a headstand and they're seeing someone in pigeon pose whatever it may be and a lot of people just aren't educated on the yoga philosophy and how historic it is and how far back it goes and that's like my favorite part of yoga is yoga philosophy asanas are great they're so useful but I just love the philosophy of it and the asanas really wouldn't be played out without the philosophy of it. Anyway, um, pranayama, which is the next one, is breath work, um, your life force extension, balance. So if you're doing like a breathing exercise, any type of breathing technique, ujjayi breath, something like that would be pranayama. And after that, we have prajaharya. And please excuse my butchering of this beautiful language. Sanskrit is so beautiful, and I'm sitting here with 
the like I am literally the worst person at trying to do an accent or like trying to speak a different language. It just doesn't flow for me. I try really hard. It's clearly not coming across. But anyway, Prachahara is the withdrawal of senses. Um, so you would be turning your attention inward. Um, it's peace in the middle of a storm. That's basically a good um, metaphor or comparison to what that is. You're taking away the external and you're diving in deep to feel what's going on inside. And again, these are just really quick uh, overviews of the eight limbs because today we're really focusing on the yamas and the nayamas. So next is dharana, which is concentration, um, focus on alleviating your mental distractions. So that's really seen in like, um, like the end of a yoga practice, you know, you're trying to not be so focused on what's going on outside, what you're doing after, what happened before. You're focused on now. You're, if you're doing a balancing pose, let's say, you're totally concentrated on staying upright and you're concentrated and you're focused and you just want to stand strong and you're not thinking of like food that you're eating for dinner. You're not thinking of what happened last night. You're thinking about your foot planted on that mat and how you're going to stay there, and you're focused on your breath, and all that, so that's dharana, and then the next one is dhyana, which is meditation, stillness, that one is pretty self-explanatory, and then the next one, oh my goodness, saying this is going to destroy me, samadhi, I hope I said that right, I really hope none of this comes across disrespectful, So that is kind of the last stage, I guess you could say, which is enlightenment. You merge yourself and the universe together, Um, kind of finding divine, feeling divine in you, realizing that you are divine. There's that connection that we're all one and we have the universe living in us. We are all an extension of her. And yeah, that's kind of uh, how I would explain the last one, Samadhi. Samadhi. I promise I will practice on that. I really do. It makes me feel really bad that I can't pronounce these well, but this is me in literally every language that I try to speak in. And that's what happens when you grow up only knowing one language. Anyway, um, so yeah, the yamas, we'll start off with that. So the yamas, again, are our reaction to the external world, kind of ethical guidelines and how we conduct ourselves, how we are um, interacting with other people, stuff like that. So in each stage of the eight limbs of yoga, there are like the there are like subtitles, I guess you could say there are other levels, little um, little raindrops under an umbrella that would be under the yamas. So there's a bunch of different parts under the yamas as well. So the first one, again, probably going to ruin this, ahimsa. So that is basically, ah is not. So if you hear that in Sanskrit, it's kind of like, no, it's opposite. Um, It's going to be not. And then himsa is hurt. So for this one, um, it's non-harming, it's practicing non-violence, it's practicing acceptance. So how can we use this in our personal life and how can we use it in yoga? So personally, we can pay attention to our negative thoughts. I mean, there's the clear and obvious 
uh, like don't hurt other people, don't hurt yourself, don't physically do that, don't mentally do that. But that's, you know, for a lot of people, easier said than done. So how do we practice not mentally and emotionally and physically harming ourselves and others? So that all starts with paying attention and being aware and being mindful to our original thoughts, to our original negative spirals that we get into. So when you're looking at it on a personal aspect, you just want to make sure you're respecting yourself, you're respecting other people, and you're aware of even your feelings when you start getting certain thoughts. Like, does that make you not feel well? Because that that's harming you when you're having these negative thoughts. Even, even if you're not acting on it and you're having bad thoughts about someone else, that's still harming you. Like, that could also start an entire spiral. For someone who, like, I don't know, is an emotional eater, you start to get a bunch of bad thoughts, you get yourself on this huge, worked-up, like, streak, and now you're overeating. And what is that doing? That's harming yourself. So how are we going to catch... How are we going to catch those thoughts before they become actions and reactions? So in that, we would just want to pay attention, uh, focus on our thoughts, And in that, we can practice like meditating, um, just being aware, checking in with ourselves. I know for me, for a while, it was hard for me to not get stuck in the like loop of life, if that makes sense. Like it was just kind of autopilot and it sucked. So I decided to put an alarm on my phone at a really random time. I think it was like 1.30 and it was like a cute, soft sounding um, alarm. And it was just my reminder of the day that we're going to check in. How are we doing? Are we breathing? Do we know we're breathing? Are we feeling ourselves? Like, what, what's going on? So that's a little tip there that you could do. And how are we going to use this in yoga? So on the mat, it is so important to listen to your body and be gentle. And don't, don't push too hard. There is no competition especially with yoga, you're not competing with anybody at all. So for that, I I found this really useful because I think I've mentioned it in another podcast where I I was pushing myself to work really hard to get into all these crazy poses. I know physically for me, working out, I've played sports forever. So to me, it was across every type of workout it was so normal to just push yourself past the point that you think you can go. It was always when your body says no, your mind says yes, and we're going to push through. But now, after really understanding and learning and embodying the yamas, I've understood that I don't have to do that. If my body is telling me, like, shit, this kind of hurts, like, I don't have to keep going. I don't. I'm allowed to stop. I'm allowed to, like, ease back. I could try to push a little bit if I'm feeling it the next time. But right now I'm going to listen and that's kind of that. I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to cause violence to myself physically or mentally. I'm not going to I'm also not going to beat myself up if I need to take a step back. If I'm like shit, this pose is really hurting, but like I'm still in it. No, because like I don't need to beat myself up about needing to take a step back. It's okay. It's totally okay to just ride your wave and be on your journey. This is about you, nobody else. 
And that's my two cents on that one. <laughs> and then uh, the next one is Satya. Sa- Satya. Again, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Okay. Um, truthfulness. That is Satya. So Sat means pure essence, which is raw truth. And it's just being pure and honoring your body, similar to um, the yoga stuff that I talked about with Ahimsa and living your truth and I feel like for all of these there's that really clear surface level like duh don't lie to people but there's also the underlying parts to each of these so for Satya Satya um oh my goodness that's so I need to stop I need to stop criticizing myself again we are not gonna be hard on ourselves anyway um you need to face the truth. That's what we could do in our personal lives regarding this one. So it's clear that we don't want to lie to anyone else. We don't want to lie to ourselves. But we also want to face the truth even when it really hurts. You want to connect with what's really happening, what you really want to happen and what really did happen because all of that helps you move forward. How many times have you lied to yourself about a situation in your past and you think you're over it, you think you're emotionally done with that, but you never truly faced what you were feeling. So those come up and those arise a little later down the line because you never truly dealt with it. You didn't really face the truth as to what was happening. So let's just be honest with ourselves, honest with other people honest about what's going on and that's just like stage one of practicing satya and how can we use this in yoga so we want to connect with the pure essence and we want to let the judgments fall away we just want to sit there with the truth we're not going to have judgments on the truth we're not going to be mad about the truth we're not going to have this strong opinion we're just going to sit there with it and that can also be used in you know personal life too You're not going to sit there and, of course, feel all your feelings. You can be angry, but take the time to sit there with the truth and just feel it. But don't have judgment towards it, you know? The way we talk about having curiosity rather than judgment and having these expectations and all that. Like, sit there with the truth and that's it. And let the judgments fall away. When you're on the mat, you want to connect with what you're feeling you want to connect with the truth of of your body you want to accept what you're feeling in a pose and let go of the judgment if you're not feeling like you can push yourself that day don't sit there and judge yourself honor that respect that you deserve that we all do um yeah again two cents on that one and i think i really need to work on my transitions if anyone has any tips let me know don't actually let me know. Or maybe do. I guess I should be bettering myself. Anyway. Uh, the next one. Asteya. So that one is non-stealing, overcoming greed, and not taking more than you need. So personally, why do we always desire more? Why do we always want more? And why do we always want what we don't have Like, let's really look at that. There is so much that we have when we 
look inward and we look around us honestly we could sit here and think about I need this I need that but think about all we do have how are we going to work with that you know and don't try to fill a void with what other people have find what you have and embrace that you don't have to fill any void you just need to look at it and again with curiosity and figure out why it's there it's purpose what you think you need from yourself to fill that what can you do for you not what can the outside do for you what can you do for you how can you change your mindset on you feeling like you're lacking something in your life especially materialistic how can we change that how can we influence that part how can we fill that up you know and a lot of the times we try to fill ourselves up with like outward and external things and I say things because a lot of the times I mean I don't know about you but we've all been those uh stress shoppers so we're a little stressed and we're like oh my god why why can't I think of the word uh whatever you guys know what I'm talking about (laughs) like when you um when you're really stressed out and you go shopping I'm gonna think of that later and I'm definitely gonna say it again but we just feel like we have this empty void in ourselves how are we going to fill it more 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 we're going to go buy stuff we're going to get stuff we're going to fill up our personal space why we can sit with that feeling of emptiness and just feel it and a way to combat that is gratitude and if you haven't listened to my journal ideas podcast definitely check that out after this because i've talked about different journaling ideas as the title says um and one of them is practicing gratitude and having a gratitude journal and I have found that the most useful out of all of the journaling that I've done it's just one that sits with me and I do it almost every day if not twice a day and with gratitude you start to appreciate what you have you're less likely to be looking outside because you're sitting there and you're thankful for like the weirdest shit ever. You're grateful for like that weird candle that you haven't noticed on your nightstand for like two years, but you're like, shit, that smells good. (laughs) Something really dumb can make you really appreciative and happy and fill that void. We have so much around us and within us that can help fill that up if we're just aware and tap into our now and not what we crave to have, and not what we desire, and in that we cultivate wholeness, you know, like you're just coming into this sense of filled up, and I'm full, and I don't need anything else, because I have everything that I I need right now to succeed, and how can we take that on the mat? We've definitely talked about the personal, but how are we going to translate that to a yoga practice? So you don't want to take more from yourself. That's how I see it. So it's really easy to be a little disconnected from your body, see your body as a different entity than yourself. But we need to honor that and need to accept that we are whole. Our mind, body, spirit, soul, we're all just here. We're all here and we're all connected. And... 
most of these are just talking about respecting ourselves on the mat, but you truly don't want to take more than you can deliver from your body. If your body is saying, no, we don't want to keep pushing this pose. No, I don't want you to go deeper in this pose. Like, I'm happy here. Don't push it. Don't take that energy from yourself. Your energy, your energy, oh my goodness. Your energy is is you. You are energy. You don't want to jip yourself from that. You don't want to overextend yourself when you don't have to. And you shouldn't have to in most aspects. Um... And that's that on Astea. And on, on to the next one. This one is a mouthful. Brahmacharya. And I think that's the one that I pronounced the best out of all of them. And that is the longest. So Brahm is divine and unity of consciousness. And Achara is pathway. So together it's kind of just withdrawing from your senses and spending your energy moderately and wisely which I just tapped into with Asteya um so how are we going to kind of connect with divine like what behaviors lead us to the divine so we want to look at what we're doing in our everyday life and where we're putting our energy what do you do how do you spend your time How do you spend your money? Money is energy. Where are we putting that? Where are we putting those pieces of ourselves? We really want to fill ourselves with a lot of external that we may not want. And even even if it's not something external like materialism, if it's something like going out with people, maybe we don't even want to do it, but we're doing it anyway. So now we're giving our energy to people, to places, to like just away from ourselves when we might not even want to. So question that. If you don't want to go out, don't go out because that energy is divine. You are divine. Your energy is sacred. So be careful where you're putting it and be mindful and be aware. You want to spend that time more wisely. Like how how do you spend your time? A lot of the times... This piece of the yama is um, associated with sexual energy and is often associated with celibacy. So I guess it's kind of a little bit easier to compare saving your energy when talking about sex. Because in celibacy, you are saving that energy, you're saving that space for someone that you truly feel is deserving of that and we should take that into every aspect not just our sexual life but outside too do we want to give that energy out who do we want to give it to who do we want to give it to why do we want to give it to them because that whole time that we're giving 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 energy we could be taking for ourselves and we could be nourishing and nurturing our soul and diving into ourselves and self-exploration and yeah that's kind of my thoughts on that the sexual energy I think is really interesting because we are created from sexual energy we are all sexual energy whether you're strongly passionate about talking about sex and having sex and all of that 
or if you're more um, closed off about that, it doesn't matter because we are all sexual energy because we come from sexual energy. That is life. That is creation, is sex. So um, in the older times, it was highly associated with celibacy and now I guess it's been a little bit um, recreated, I guess you can say. So that's kind of um, the original stem from that. And the one question for this regarding yoga is how do you spend your time on the mat? Are you enjoying your time on the mat? Are you doing poses that you enjoy? Is your asana something that makes you feel empowered? Is it something that makes you feel calm? Does it, does it fill your soul up? Is your soul present when you're on the mat? And are we doing things we genuinely enjoy? Or are you going on the mat and you're spending that time just pushing yourself past your limit or you're doing poses that you think are like supposed to be good for you or like they're aesthetically pleasing, but you don't want to do it. You know you don't want to do it, but you know it looks cool, but you truly don't want to do it. So where, how are we spending that time? Where are we putting that energy? Always ask yourself, where are we putting that energy? And withdrawal of senses regarding brahmacharya, I think, is important in meditating because you're kind of sectioning off and closing off to the outside for a little bit. And you're not focused on what's going on outside. You're just releasing. Yeah. Which brings us into our next one, which is a parigraha, which basically is non-attachment, um, releasing what's supposed to be. Um, so, a again is not, and then pari is all sides, and graha is take. So, um, yeah, it's non-attachment. It's letting go. You want to release expectations. You want to release what is supposed to be and dive into what is. There is no supposed to be. You're just doing what you're doing to do it, not for a specific outcome, right? That's never fun when there's this strong like expectation to what, to what you're doing. Doesn't it feel good when you're free and you're just doing what you genuinely want? And what comes out of that a lot of the time? Bliss. Maybe even some good like external things come from that because you're doing what you love. When you move with love and you move with this, with your soul, you know, there is that release of expectation and then you're welcoming everything that's meant for you. So one way to do this, which I want to go into a lot deeper on a different episode because I think I'll get really sidetracked if I go into it now. So I'll just lightly, lightly tap on that, um, is cleaning and clearing your physical space. Because when you release and you let things go, so much more comes. You need to save your space for abundance and just like whatever is meant to come for you because that is showing that you're putting your trust in the universe that... I can release and I can let go and whatever is meant for me is going to come for me. And we're going to find each other and and I have that trust. 
But if you're constantly trying to control your space, control everything around you, and you're holding on for dear life, it like you're not saving that space for what could come because you're too busy holding on to what you feel like you need in your life. And again, I'm totally going to go on a tangent, so I'm just going to stop now talking about that because I'm just going to blah, 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 which I don't want to do, <laughs> which I'm basically doing because that's a podcast and podcasts are about blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, I love how after I say something totally out of line, I say, anyway, kind of annoying, I guess some um, self-reflection here. Anywho, wow, I did it again. Oh my goodness. Goodbye. I'm canceling myself. So abundance. <laughs> um, we want to make space for abundance. And one of the more difficult parts to a party graha is letting go of habits. So we might find it easier to clean out our closet versus change up our entire morning routine because we know we have this habit of sleeping in late and like rushing to work and just being really late for everything. And it's a lot easier to let go, sometimes anyway, depending on the person of physical things, rather than your routine, rather than your habits. Releasing a bad habit, like a habit is energy. A habit is time. A habit is taking up mental space, physical space, emotional space. It is taking up a portion of your life that doesn't have to be there. So once we let let go and get rid of a habit, that leaves space now for new energy to come in. And not another habit, but something more positive. Maybe you'll make that time instead of uh, spending this many minutes biting your nails You let that habit go and now you're on to uh, using that time to journal. I don't know. But you you get the gist, I hope. Or maybe I'm not making sense. So how are we going to use this on the mat? This one is probably one of my favorites for the mat. Because again, I went through that stage of like, I need to be perfect and this has to look right. And I need to get into every single pose like perfectly and blah, blah, blah. No. I'm not there to perform. Yoga is not this grand performance. It's not there for me to show off. I'm not using it to like take some cool pictures, even though, you know, you could get some cool pictures. But that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is going on the mat to feel. You're going on there to flow, enjoy your space, maybe tap into some of your like mental energy that that pose is giving you. But you're not there to have an expectation. You're just going on and you're going to move and you're just going to keep going with it and flowing with it. But you're not going to sit there with this like intense expectation of what should happen. There is no supposed to be. It's just kind of what is. And you're accepting where you are on the mat and you're accepting what you're feeling and what's happening. And if for some reason you have never done a headstand and you've fallen down 50 times and now you release that expectation. So you're just going out there to have fun, be on your head a little bit. If you make it, just practice, throw your legs in the air, do whatever. And you do that. And now you get into the headstand. How are you going to feel? You're going to feel fucking bomb. (laughs) You're going to feel great versus you going in there like, I have to get a headstand this time because I've done it 50 times and I'm not falling 51 times. And then you do happen to fall. You're going to feel kind of shitty. You're going to be down on yourself. You're going to be upset. 
You're probably not going to respect your body. You're probably going to throw away the other aspects of the yamas that we just talked about. But when you're releasing the attachment and you're just going out there to see if, you know, it's going to feel good doing a headstand and maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. And then you do it. You're like, damn, that was awesome. Like, I'm so proud of myself. And being proud of yourself is one of the best feelings out there. Best feeling, man. Think of a time that you felt proud of yourself and sit in that for a second. Sit in that feeling. And think of how that can come from just simply non-attachment and releasing expectation and releasing what's supposed to be. <sighs> that felt good. So that's that for the yamas. Um, when we come back from a little break from my voice, which I'm sure you all might want, um, we'll tap into the nayamas and go into those because I think that's really... Um, the Yamas and Ayamas just play together. They're like sisters. And yeah, I find them both really important. And I'm going to tap into that right after this. All right. So now that we've gone over the Yamas, it's time to dive into the Nayamas. So um, with the yamas, there's a lot more of what not to do and what to avoid with um, the keyword non. So we've seen a lot of non-harming, non-violence, non-stealing, non-attachment. So there's a lot of that with the yamas. But with the nayamas, it's a lot more of guidance to obtain enlightenment, to obtain that like relationship with the divine. So nai means inward or within and the nayamas are basically your relationship to yourself their internal responses personal attainments just again the more personal side and less of the relationship to the outside world so let's just jump into each aspect of the nayamas so the first one is sacha um which is basically purity in action. You're purifying, you're letting go, you're cleaning. So that one is kind of related to um, like the yamas when we were talking about cleaning your space and creating that space to achieve more and to accept abundance. So for this one, it's also about overall health. So we think about clean and the key terms that are just in diet world of clean eating. And it's not just that, but it's like more whole food diet and just being aware of what you're putting in your body and what you surround yourself with. So I personally believe that your health, I'm sure I've mentioned this on another podcast, but your health is what you intake in every aspect. It's exercising, it's eating, it's taking in social media, it's taking in what you're watching, it's taking in your environment. So your health isn't just eating and what you take in in that aspect, but it's all around what you're filling your life with. That is your overall health. So that's what Satya kind of um, goes along with as well. Um, What you're surrounding yourself with, what you're putting in your body, how you're going to be overall just clean. And ways that we could do that in our lives, like obtaining the cleanliness, which is obvious to clean your house and make space, but it's also smudging and whichever ritual feels right for you. 
I know sage for some people isn't really their thing. You can use Palo Santo. You can um, cleanse with water. Water is such a cleansing property that, I mean, if you ever, this is something that I do sometimes when I feel the need to just kind of have a restart. And I come out of the shower feeling totally different, like a new woman. So I'll go in there, I'll have my normal shower, and I will turn the water to like the absolute coldest at the end of my shower. And you just let it drip all over your head. Like you let it sit there for a while. You're not just like, oh, two seconds cold. No, like you're staying in there and you're feeling it. I will make sure that my armpits go under. That sounds totally weird, but um, that's one spot where I feel like energy could get stuck. So I'll lift my arms up. The bottom of my feet, your feet carry so much with you. So I'll stand in the shower and I'm letting this freezing cold water just like wash over me. And it feels kind of like spiritual in a way. Like it feels emotionally cleansing. And I've read about how um, cold showers can feel like a cleanse for your aura. And sometimes when I do it, I genuinely feel like a totally different person. So that's another way that you can um, use that in your personal life. Um, It's also about releasing impurities. And you could do that with meditation, pranayama, or asana. And it's also about setting an intention. So if you listen to my journal one, again, I talk about, um, hopefully I did. Wow, I hope I talked about this. Um, How I wrote down, sometimes I went through like a period where I was writing my intention of the day. And sometimes I still do that if I'm feeling like I need a little bit more guidance for myself. Guidance with Gab, but for myself. Um, So I'll do that and I'll write down how I want to move throughout the day. Or what I'm trying to accomplish. And not in like a productive way. Not like I need to like, I don't know, wash my clothes, take a shower and do this. No, like it's how I want to move, how I want to be in that day. A lot of the times it'll say like my intention is to move with, with love and gratitude. And that helps me throughout the day to just really be aware when I'm not moving with love and gratitude because I, I mark that as what I was going to be trying to accomplish in the day. Then I'll realize, shit, I'm not doing that. So Those are a few ways to do that in your personal life. Now, on the mat, how are we going to do that? So, setting an intention on the mat can be so key to overcoming something. So, sometimes I'll go on the mat and I'm like, what do I need to get from this, like, session of asana? Like, what is my intention of coming on the mat today? Sometimes I will... I mean, I know when I've been going through certain things, I will look up on YouTube um, like yoga for and then whatever I'm feeling because sometimes it is a lot to just go into your free flow and also even make like your own, um, why can't I think of it, sequence for yourself. Like sometimes you don't want to do that and YouTube is a great place to just kind of like look things up and feel like you're giving the power to someone else to help you out. You're accepting help from the outside. And that helps me set a clear intention of like what I'm going to be doing. Because on YouTube, they're obviously going to be like yoga for grounding or yoga for forgiveness. And you go all into that. And that's kind of your intention. So that is how um, Saucha is kind of used in life. And I know I'm saying that wrong 
whatever, it's fine. And then the next one is Santosha. So this is contentment and acceptance with what you have. So that one to me kind of resembles Asteya, which was the overcoming greed and not taking more than you need. So with this, you're also trying to be present. Like, how are you going to accept what you have if you don't see and aren't aware of what you have? So we just want to be present and we want to go with the flow and we want to find that inner peace with what we have. We want to capture that. We want to sit there with what we have and feel gratitude and feel that joy. And once we cultivate like a deep sense of inner peace, it's going to be a little bit more unwavering to outside things. The external is not going to push us as much. I have a tattoo on my arm and it's of a tree and there's a lot of reasons to it, but one of them was a meditation I did, which is kind of revolved around this. And it talked about how a tree in a hurricane or the rain or in sunshine even is going to be standing tall and it's going to be grounded and it's going to be rooted and it's going to be strong. And we're not going to let the external take us over. A tree isn't going to get knocked down by the wind. Like you're going to stay strong, you're going to stay rooted. And you are going to be that tree. We are all a tree. And we all have that that in us to find that inner peace, find our roots, be grounded in that, and not get swept up by the external and what's going on around us. And with awareness, we get acceptance for what we have, right? So to me, the three stages that I think of with Santosha as I was writing my notes out were awareness, acceptance, and action. So when we're aware, we accept the place we're in. We gain that sense of like, I am okay with where I am because I'm aware of all that I have and all that I will have and all I need inside of me or all all that I need is inside of me. So you're not looking at anything outside. So you're aware of it. You find it, you feel it, you accept it, and then you take action on it. So if you're in maybe not a good place and things might not be going your way, you're aware of it. And there's so many different directions once we obtain awareness. How are we going to go about that? We're going to sit there and we're going to accept that this is a part of our soul's journey. This is a part of what we need to accomplish to level up. And how are we going to respond with that? With an action. What actions are we going to take? We're not going to react we're going to act. We are going to choose what we're going to do about it. We're going to choose our behavior. So awareness, acceptance, and actions. We have so much control over what we do and how we react and act upon what life has given us in a situation. And we have the power to make really good things out of really shitty things. (laughs) We do. And that goes into shadow work as well and not wishing things were different. Shadow work is a whole different ball game to kind of jump into there. Um, but if you know a little bit about that, then that's a part of Santosha. And it's kind of just not wishing things were different. Again, back to awareness, acceptance, and actions. You're not wishing things were different because you know that this is a part of your journey. And hell yeah, you're going to be sitting there sometimes and you are totally going to wish that things were not happening the way they are. It's 
again, these are just practices. This isn't something that like you have to be 100% good at and something that's going to come easily. This is a practice, you know? Like, it's so easy to say that you shouldn't wish things were different because everything happens for a reason, but really just practice with it. And it's just try not to get caught up in the I wish things were going a different way because even when you obtain the thing you wanted, you're still going to wish something was different. And that gets into, like, a pretty messy spiral. I'm taking a sip of water. Nice. Nice. Okay. And how are we going to use this in yoga? So we want to be able to like venture off and do something different. And if different feels good, then do that. A lot of the times we might have like kind of a plan on what we're doing on the mat or a specific pace. Even we think we need to go at a certain pace, do this structured sequence, even if it's like a sun salutation But if you're feeling something and your body is taking you through a different journey than you intended, just let it do that. You know, you don't want to sit there wishing like, oh, shit, I wish I could just be more like structured and rigid and do it the way that it's supposed to be. No, you can just let your body flow. And if you're in a class and everyone's going at this like quick speed and you're like, no, I'm feeling good where I'm at, then do that. You don't have to be sitting there wishing that you were as quick as everybody else and you were doing all that. Just be able to have that peace inside that other judgment won't even bother you and that you know that what your body is telling you is meant for you and just kind of accept that part of it. All right. And then the next one is tapas. Oh, this one. Oh, man. So it's ta means like fire or to burn and it's kind of like your internal light, I guess you can say. Um, so it's kind of what I view as doing what sets your soul on fire. So it is discipline and it is willpower. But to me, it's those things and doing what like you know is meant for your soul. You know, there are some things that we do out of routine and out of comfortability but there are some things that just set your soul on fire and you feel that dedication and that discipline to continue doing it simply because your soul is craving you to do that more your soul wants that more and more and once you start venturing off of it and going against what your soul wants you're going to feel a difference within you and that's how I see tapas it also means like purifying and like it brings light to your like unconscious and your conditioned behaviors because your consciousness is growing in awareness of your unconsciousness and those routine behaviors that might not be fueling your your fire like if you have a nine to five job that you really don't like and you're just going through the motions of every day, waking up the same time, going to your job, going to lunch the same time, ending, doing the same thing all over again every single day. You're Once you start practicing tapas and you understand what sets your soul on fire, you're going to realize that that is just a part of your like conditioned behavior that you're so used to and you don't want to do anymore. And in maintaining tapas and practicing it, 
you're also practicing the other yamas and ayamas because you have the awareness that like you want to work hard to do these things that make you feel good. It's going to inspire you and it since it has that discipline and dedication and willpower, it's going to bring you back to doing what you know is best for you. So what's best for you is practicing the yamas and ayamas, in my opinion. And tapas helps you continue to practice all of those. And um, for yoga with tapas, it brings you back to the mat when you really might not want to. It's that thing that is like, come on, like we're going to do it today. You've missed a whole week. You've missed two weeks. You haven't done this in a month, but today we're going to do it. And we have that discipline and we know it feels good. It is difficult sometimes to to work hard for yourself. There's a lot that we all put on ourselves and there's a lot that we do to maintain our overall well-being. There is so much that goes into it. And sometimes you're just like, no, no, like I'm done. I don't want to do it. You don't want to get on the mat sometimes and you don't want to go work out and you don't want to take care of yourself sometimes and you don't want to eat healthy and you don't want to take care of yourself. That just happens sometimes, especially if you have a history of things not mentally, you know, sitting right. That's just what happens. But tapas is the thing that brings you back, that reminds you that maybe we should go to bed a little, go to bed a little bit earlier today because tomorrow... We'll have that energy to wake up and do a sun salutation in the morning, even if it's one. Even if we sit and meditate for two minutes, even two, and bring an awareness. It's tapas that brings you back to that. It's tapas that reminds you that we need to care for ourselves. And it's that discipline that you're going to anyway, even when you really don't want to. Tapas is still in there. And that fire is always going to be in there for you. And your internal light is always going to be shining, even when you feel it's dim. So your tapas is always there for you, and that's something that will bring you light in a lot of darkness, in my opinion anyway. Wow. All right, and whew, that one was a lot. So this one, a little, little difficult to pronounce. Svadhyaya. Um, so it's the study of self, learning yourself to discover divine. So sva is self, and then... Ya at the end is action and the middle part, which I'm going to try, Yaya, is um, meditation. I'm so sorry that I know you're laughing. I know you're laughing and it's fine. You could laugh at me because I'm going to laugh after this, especially when I listen to it back. So go ahead, laugh. But um, yeah, for this one, it's just always knowing that we're going to keep growing. We're here to keep learning. We're here to learn ourselves We're here to dive inside and look inward and know that there is so much growth to happen. And whether it's growing for this lifetime or the next or healing the past, we're still evolving and we're still growing and there's still so much to learn. Any real teacher understands that they are also a student. In teaching, you're always learning and this part of the Nayamas really embodies self-discovery and understanding that you're always continuing to grow. This is about introspection 
Ask yourself questions, especially, especially for things that you feel so strongly about. Like ask yourself why and ask yourself if you truly do feel so strongly about it or is this something that I've been conditioned to learn from when I was younger? Are these my true thoughts or am I taking these thoughts from maybe my parents or my grandparents or whoever raised me? You know, it's really questioning yourself, not in a doubtful way, but in a curious way, in a non-judgmental way, just more in a self-discovery way. And this also goes along with vulnerability and oneness and merging with the universe because you need to be vulnerable in learning anyone or anything, especially yourself. You want to have that openness and in vulnerability, you're allowing yourself to feel free and susceptible to learn whatever you're going to learn. You're not going in there with an expectation. You're going in there with curiosity and with the excitement to learn whatever it may be. And in that, in our personal lives, what can we do to embody this? We can read for self um, growth and learning and just to find out new information. And we can journal to reflect. I've mentioned journaling I think three times already in this podcast and have an entire podcast on it I am hardcore journal 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 there's so much self-reflection and self-growth and learning to be done when you're writing shit down and not just like overthinking in your head so yeah I really say journaling is helpful for that my contact is literally bugging my eye out so I just took that out now Um, and what else can you do for this? Sitting by yourself. Ah, sitting by yourself, being by yourself, allowing yourself to be comfortable by yourself. Dude, being your best friend is the most satisfying feeling. You have so many higher standards and higher, um, like you're so much more careful with your energy. So I guess as you're practicing Svadhyaya, you're also practicing um like your energy and where you want to put it I just had this thought sorry about that that was wow yeah because as you're sitting with yourself you're learning so much more about yourself and you kind of become your own best friend because you're forcing yourself to to have that time alone and in that you're you're really tapping into where your energy is going to be more useful and most useful and where you want to put all of that. Hmm, that's interesting. That's like brahmacharya right there. It's spending your energy moderately. And how are we going to do that? By practicing svadhyaya, by sitting by yourself. You're going to learn that your energy is sacred and valuable. Wow, that was interesting. What a little connection there. Hmm. All right. And how do we use this on the mat? I mean, I personally think that sitting in Shavasana a little longer would really help at the end. Sitting with your meditation, sitting with yourself, um, learning yourself, even learning your body. Seeing what you truly like. Asking yourself what kind of yoga asana you genuinely like to do. You might be stuck in a routine, but shit, do I like it? Do I want to keep doing it? Or do I want to branch out and try something new? What do I like? 
What am I learning on an emotional level from the mat? What lessons can I take from off the mat? Really sit there and question all of that. And then the last one, Ishvara Pranidhana. Ishvara Pranidhana. So this one is the final stage and it's surrendering to a higher power. It's kind of like the personalized side of the collective consciousness. Um, So here, surrendering is a huge part of, I think that really captures all the yamas and ayamas in one. Because to surrender, you have to be vulnerable. You have to um, be pure and be content and be aware and have discipline and have self-study all to have that strength and courage and trust in the universe that you can surrender and you can let go and you can release. And you're really tapping into like viewing your ego and releasing self-control. The universe will have a plan and will have our backs like regardless. When we're acting out of love, The universe will have our backs and we need to release our urge to control every single thing that's happening. Sometimes once you start releasing, you're you're allowing space for more to come. So if you think about holding something so hard, I've used the ice cream cone as an example, but when you hold something too tightly, so tightly, it's going to break. So you're holding an ice cream cone and you're squishing it and you're squishing it and you're not letting it go and now it's broken. Now you just broke the ice cream cone. Now no one's eating ice cream. And think about it in relationships. Think about any time that you've tried to control something or hold onto it a little too hard. It makes someone resistant. It makes someone want to run away. It makes someone feel trapped, maybe. And it kind of is a sign that we need to release that control a little bit. Release the restraint. If someone's holding on to you a little too tightly, even physically, what do you want to do? You want to get away. You want it to stop. And that, we need to take that metaphor and use that in life as well. When we're holding on to an expectation, holding on to our ego, what our ego wants, when we're feeding our ego too much, when we're trying to control, when we're trying to have power, we're not leaving room for the universe to do its work. And she will work for us. And she does work with us. And once we release that, we will be just surrendering to the divine, whatever feels comfortable for you, whether it's God, the universe, multiple gods, um, whatever you would like to use to fill that blank. Release to that for a little bit. To the divine. And just... See what unfolds when you start to let go of the restraint a little bit. And here you also are going to be embracing uncertainty. So being in the moment, like the past is what had happened. The future, we don't know what's going to happen, but we get all wrapped up in our head. But right now, in this moment, we don't know what's going to happen in two seconds from now. We don't. So we're living in that uncertainty. And uncertainty can be a really scary place for a lot of people but it can also be a place of so much discovery a place of so much learning I'm taking one last sip of water oh man all right and 
yeah, so leaning into uncertainty is so important to to join up with it and not feel like a force against it. There is no battle or fight with with uncertainty. It's just living with it and accepting its place. And if you're on the mat and you're practicing asana, how are we going to use this there? How are we going to apply this? We're going to know that we we can go with the flow. And maybe we do want to sit in Shavasana a little longer and see what signs we're getting from higher powers. See what comes to us. Hear what comes to us. And go in there maybe. Maybe try out going in there with no plan. Step on the mat and just free flow. Let whatever happen, happen. Live in that uncertainty of what you can do on the mat, what you're going to do, what you expect from this session. Um, So that wraps up the yamas and the nayamas. And this was really such a fun and I feel like grounding topic to talk about as well. It brought me even back to realizing what I need to focus a little more on. And talking about all of these things brings me back to like my practices. So we've gone over the yamas and the nayamas and we've learned that We have our reactions to the outside world and how we can interact with other people socially and our nayamas where we can have our relationship with ourselves and really learn ourselves. And as corny as it sounds, we can love ourselves. Yes, I said it. I said it. Oh, no. Oh, no. She said we can love ourselves. So scary. Yes, it's possible. (laughs) We're allowed to do that. It's okay. It's more than okay. It's encouraged. So... Yeah, if there's anything interesting that you took from this that you want to talk about, um, you could reach me at Guidance with Gab on Instagram. Um, I'd be more than happy to talk about all of this. I hope that there's something to take from all of this. And I'm really grateful to have a platform where I can share my thoughts and my feelings and my ideas and just talk about what I know and what I what I have in my little head. <laughs> That's it. Um, thank you so much and have a great night. Thank you.